You're listening to sermons from Southbridge Fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. We pray that today's message helps you to connect to Jesus for life change. And this morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 3, the Gospel of John chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles or, or your Version app or whatever you happen to have, open up to, to John chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And we're going to be talking about kingdom success. Kingdom success. You know, we, uh, before we get started, before we get uh, too serious here, I just want to give you a list of my achievements, my personal achievements. We live in a society that is driven by success, by achieving, by accomplishments. So I just wanted to give you a list of those so that you know uh, how important I am. In fourth, in fourth grade, I beat all the other fifth graders and the one lone fourth grader that was running against me, and I was elected student council president of Carver Magnet Elementary School as a fourth grader. The first service applauded after that. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was an intramural softball champion at the University of Arkansas when I was in college, even though I never went to one of the games that season. A college baseball player who went to another school actually played under my name and used my student ID, and they went on to win the championship. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm a owner of a 2007 Honda Odyssey. It's a big, big deal, big accomplishment. Odyssey, people know, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an achievement. And most recently, out of all these achievements, I finished second in the loser's bracket of my fantasy football league this past season. I think I won three games, maybe. Uh, so anyway, uh, we, we live in this achievement-obsessed, success-obsessed world. And we're told from a very young age that we need to be going after it and, and, and achieving all these different things. And, and one of the things that early on, even, even our kids, as young as they are, they know that, that success, it looks like money, looks like fame. They haven't got this quite yet. They live more in the moment than we do. But, but as an adult, you know, you, you want a secure future. That's success. When you, have, when you see somebody that has money, has fame, has a secure future, like that is success. That is some accomplishments. They've, they've done something with their life. And really everything about the way that we dress and that we, not, not everybody, some of you are a lot more humble than me, but, but we, we walk around and we try to portray success by our house, by our cars, by our clothes, the way that we talk. We try not to talk with an accent. If you're from the South, like me, somebody earlier said, you don't have an accent. I said, thank you. (laughs) Because we don't associate an Arkansas accent with success, right? As much as Bill Clinton tried to change that. In today's text, in John chapter 3, we're going to be looking at two different men, two different conversations. And both men were successful in different ways. But we're going to be talking about kingdom success and drawing a difference between what we think success is, what the world says success is, what our flesh says success is, and looking at kingdom success. And so John chapter 3 verse 1, we see the man Nicodemus, and he sits down to have a conversation with Jesus. And in verse 1 of John 3, says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I want you to notice that Nicodemus is successful in our world's terms of success. He has money, he has fame, he has reputation, people know who he is, he has power. He has secured a future for himself and his world and his society because of those things. And Nicodemus, he's risking all of that coming to Jesus. That's the reason he comes at night, so that he doesn't risk it too much. He puts at risk all the things that he has accomplished, his success, and he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, we know that you're from God. We know the things that you teach and the things that you're doing. It can only come from God. What's going on? What is God trying to accomplish with you? And Jesus' response was a weird one, a confusing one to Nicodemus. He says, you, to see the kingdom of God, to see what God is trying to do, you have to be born again. That's a weird thing, and it was weird to Nicodemus. And he says, but how can a grown man, how can an old person go back into their mother's womb? I've been in the room with all three of my kids. That's a, that's a valid question, right? And so Nicodemus is being challenged in a very specific way with a very specific illustration. And what the first point we need to make sure is, is that, that we do not trade our kingdom, trade kingdom success for our own success. We need to make sure that we are not doing those things. Nicodemus is being challenged and saying, hey, you, Jesus says, you've made your life about these things. You have money. You have a reputation, you have fame, you've secured your future. People think a lot of you. When people see you, when you walk into the room, they think that guy is a success. That guy has achieved something with his life. And Nicodemus, he has a good heart. He's thought this his whole life. Surely, if you look at the kind of guy that from Scripture, what Scripture tells us, he's the kind of guy that wants to please God. And the things that he has accomplished, he thought that he was doing them for God. But what Jesus is telling him here, he's like, you have traded your own success for kingdom success. God wants you to have kingdom success. He doesn't even understand what it is. And, and the reason that I think that Jesus uses this, this challenge of you have to be born again is because when a baby is born, they got nothing. They are naked. They don't have any money to their own name. They don't have anything. And everything that a baby has has been given to it, has been provided for it. What Jesus is challenging Nicodemus with, he's saying, you think that you can depend on these different things that you've accomplished and the success that you've had in your life. You think that you've done that for God, but really to see the kingdom of God, to see what God is trying to do through me, Jesus says, you need to be born again. He's challenging Nicodemus to let go of all of those things that he's worked so hard for. Nicodemus confused his own success with kingdom success. I got a few questions to challenge you with because you may think like, uh, what's wrong with money? What's wrong with fame? What's wrong with a secure future? I have a family. I want to make sure that, that I'm around and that they have a better life than I did growing up. What's wrong with those things? There's nothing wrong with those things in itself. There's nothing wrong with those things. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. But, but John the Baptist, uh, I did that this morning. Jesus, he references a story from, in our Bibles, Numbers chapter 21. And we're not going to read it. But Jesus says, when the children of Israel were, were in the wilderness, God sent 
these serpents, because if you know that story, the children of Israel, they were complainers, and they had just left Egypt, and they were in slavery. They were in bondage. They had to work every single day of their life. That was just their whole life was, was working and, and, and being slaves, and they left Egypt. They left. God provided a way for them to live in freedom, and they're wandering around in the wilderness because of their disobedience and their complaining, and God gets mad, and he sends these serpents. And these serpents are all through the camp and they're biting the different people. And, and God tells Moses, he has compassion on the people. And he says, make a bronze serpent, put it on the pole and tell people when they get snake bit to look to the serpent on the, on the, on the pole. And if you look to that serpent, they will, you will be saved, you'll be healed. And so Moses does that and he references this story to Nicodemus. And he says, just as the bronze serpent was on the pole and people had to look to the bronze serpent on the pole to be saved, so, so, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. And you look to the Son of Man and you will be saved. Referencing, foretelling what y'all been talking about for weeks, Jesus on the cross. Jesus dying a, a criminal's death. And if you look to that, if you have faith in what, what the Son of Man does on the cross, you will be saved. The penalty for sin is paid through Christ, and you need to depend on that. Nicodemus was living a life that was dependent on his success. So to have kingdom success in our life, we need to make sure that we are completely dependent on Jesus. And that's why he says you need to be born again. You need to change your mind about your success. You need to change your mind about your achievements, your money and your fame and all those different things. How much money do you need to have to be secure? How much money do you need to have to make sure that, you, that your future is what you want it to be? How much power or fame do you need to have to be in charge of your own life? And he's telling Nicodemus, you're not in charge of your life no matter how much money you have. You're not in charge of your life, no matter how much fame you have, no matter what your reputation is. You're not in charge, and you need to be completely dependent on me. This was a big challenge for Nicodemus. This may be a big challenge for you, where you look at your life and you are successful. Or you are working in a way, and you're pursuing success, and you're chasing success. And you're not thinking about Jesus, you're not, you're, not, you're not thinking about what he's done for you, you're just trying to, to be the achiever that you've always been told that you need to be. This morning, I, I beg you, please, depend on the work of Jesus on the cross. Depend on God for everything that you truly need. Nicodemus was a man of great achievement, great success. But he had traded kingdom success for his own. And Jesus is telling him, please, depend on me. The second half of John chapter 3. This is a conversation. It's very, very similar to the conversation Nicodemus has with Jesus. And this is with John the Baptist and his followers. And John the Baptist... If you don't know anything about him, he was given the job of ushering in the kingdom of God. That was his one job. And, and God sent him to be the forerunner to the Messiah. And so he's, he's out in the wilderness and he preaches for people to repent, to change their minds, to live differently, to, to repent of their sins and be baptized to demonstrate that repentance. But unlike Nicodemus, John the Baptist, he didn't have money and he didn't have a secure future. 
people, we would look at them as like a homeless street preacher. We would not, based on appearances, we would not look at, him, look at him and be like, he is successful. He's achieved some things. He did not have a nice house. He lived in the wilderness. He did not have fancy clothes. He wore camel skin. He didn't have good food to eat. He just found food to eat in, out in the wilderness, which is locust and honey. His job was not prestigious. He was a homeless preacher. Imagine doing this job without a house. Uh, that, there's not much incentive in that. Um, and, he was, and he yelled about the kingdom of God, and, and that was his job, and God had given to him, and he is an important figure in the story of the gospel. But he was successful in one way. He had gained fame and influence and followers. So if we break it down between money, fame, and a secure future, he had some fame, he had some influence, he had a following of people. And what we see in verse 26 is that's where we pick up and it says, and, and they came to John. This is John's followers coming to him. And they said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, referencing Jesus, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. The sentiment in verse 27 is the same as the one Jesus was trying to convince Nicodemus of early in their conversation. Success in the kingdom of God. Kingdom success, true, real success that only comes from being dependent on God, dependent on Jesus. And this is really important, this is what I want you to get, is that Nicodemus had everything that you could want in this life. John the Baptist had almost nothing, but the one thing that he had was a following. The one thing that he had was the job that he was sent to do. He was having some success at it. He could look and see and count the number of noses that was listening to the words that he was saying, and he could feel success. And his followers, his disciples, felt that success as well. But then Jesus started doing a very similar thing in their eyes, and, they, and people started leaving. It says that all went from John the Baptist to listen to Jesus, to follow Jesus. And so his followers come to him and say, hey, what's going on? We are regressing. Your accomplishments, your success is starting to go away. It's starting to dissipate. What's happening? And John the Baptist says, guess what? Everything that's been given to us, all the success that we've had, everything that, that you have in your life, it comes from God. He was completely dependent on him. He goes on to say to his followers, you yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, I'm not the Messiah, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who now stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. He's saying, I am not the bridegroom, I am the bride, and he, the, the bridegroom is here, and I am overjoyed at that fact, referring to Jesus. He says, therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. The world will tell you that your life needs to be about progress, achievement, success. And the one thing that John the Baptist was successful in from a world's perspective was he had gathered this following. And when that success was threatened, when that success started to go away, when regression was starting to happen, and his followers are saying, hey, John, what are we going to do? His response is, he must increase and I must decrease. 
he says that when people started following Jesus instead of him, his response is, good. I'm overjoyed. That is success. It was a success because in the kingdom of God, he knew it was all about making much of God. And he also knew that money and fame and the secure future, that is a temptation for those successful people to not be dependent on God. It was a temptation to make things about yourself, to make things about your accomplishment. And so when his success was going away, he's saying, good, God must increase. Jesus must increase. My job is being accomplished by this thing, and I need to decrease. I need to lower my profile as Jesus' profile increases. And for to have kingdom success in our lives, we need to make sure that we are living in a way that makes much of Jesus and less of ourselves. Our flesh, it wants to inflate our achievements. It wants us to impress others. It wants us to have that money and that fame and to secure our future And we are affirmed by the world. We may even be affirmed by our friends and our family and everybody around us. That that success, we're on the path of success. But what God wants for your life, the world will tell you, your flesh will tell you, that's regression. It's going backwards. But what's clear from these two conversations is that Jesus came so that we could let go of our dependence on money, to let go of our dependence on our reputation or our fame or our power, to let go of those things and and, and not be dependent on some secure future that may not even happen or may even get here and be be completely dependent on Christ and his work on the cross. Be completely dependent on the empty grave That he came back to life after being dead as dead can be for three days. And when he came back to life, what he did was he offers you that victory over your sin and your death. He was successful over the two things you can't do anything about, which is where you mess up, where you fall short, your flawed flesh. You can't do anything about it. You're born with it. And he went to the cross for it. He who knew no sin became our sin. And he offers you the victory over where you fall short through probably the lowest threshold you can imagine. That's dependence. You don't have to do anything. You just depend on his success. And he came forth from the grave. His heart started beating again. His lungs started breathing again. And where everybody had left him, all all of his followers Even the boldest of them all abandoned him in the grave. Thought that it was all over. And he came forth victorious, successful over death. If you are dependent on money, fame, and a secure future, more than you are dependent on that story, on that truth, that Jesus died for you and came back to life for you. I'm sorry, you've missed the point. You've missed the point of life. 
That Jesus came to show us what true love really was, what sacrificial love was really all about, what your life was created for. The reason that you're here was for you to have a relationship with God, but you've messed things up. You fall way short of what God wants for your life. But Jesus comes in and he fills the gap and he offers you success in his kingdom to participate in his kingdom. And yet so much we trade our own success over little finite things that, that are fickle and go away in a heartbeat. We trade those things. We trade the kingdom of God for those things instead. The band's going to come forward and I'm going to ask you a few questions. Uh, What areas of your life do you feel unsuccessful in? Where do you feel like you have taken steps backwards? In your career, maybe your finances, maybe you've lost a job, maybe you didn't get that promotion, maybe your reputation is taking a hit, you've made some mistakes, people found out about it, and your, your, your reputation is taking a hit, your, your future isn't as secure as you hoped to be at this point. And there's nothing wrong with wanting those things in itself, right? There's nothing wrong with desiring those things. But when I was in, in college, I found myself... Um, I, was, I was in debt a lot because of student loans unlike my wife who paid, got paid to go to school I didn't have a car I was driving my grandfather's El Camino my parents were getting divorced I was working a job where I was making just a few hundred dollars a month and it seemed like every part of my life every category that you could break down mine were just falling apart didn't have any hope, much hope for the future And I remember thinking, like, what is my future? How am I going to get the money that I want? How am I going to get the the, the fame, the reputation, the things that I want to accomplish in my life? How is that? Where's the path forward? And I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I was a ball of anxiety every day when I woke up. And I worried so much about my future. Worried so much about the things that, 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 that I thought were about success. The, the track that I hoped that I was beyond, I, I wasn't on that track. And I worked through some things, I processed a lot of things, and I remember being convicted by this truth. That the things that the world tells us our life should be about, the, the good things that, that make our lives a little bit better, I had made that the best. I had exchanged those things that were supposed to make my life better. I had believed the lie that those were the best things of life. I believed that if I made my life about those things, then God would just make my life better on top of that. And I realized that that was completely upside down. That was completely backwards. And God revealed to me, if you make your life about me and my kingdom and my gospel and my truth, that I love you and died for you, came back to life for you, and you have victory over that sin and death just by depending on me, that truth radically changed everything about my life. And fully believing that, fully depending on that, and realizing I had been trading kingdom success for my own. My little tiny success that I desired for my life. Kingdom success is us 
making less of ourselves and making much out of him. The kingdom of God is going to be successful no matter your participation in it. But God wants to use you. Desperately, he wants to use you. Have you been trading the kingdom success in your life, your participation in it, for your own success? You've been chasing money, you've been chasing fame, you've been trying to secure your future. I ask you this morning, completely depend on the work of Jesus. Know that that's enough. Know that what God gives you through that is all that you need in life. And everything else, all those other things you could chase, it just makes it better. I ask you this morning that you make much of God in your life, much of Jesus, and that you pray to God and say, God, help me to decrease and for you to increase. And you do that, I guarantee you, it'll change everything. It will change everything. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for for Jesus and the access that we have to you and your, your, your presence, your Holy Spirit that indwells us because of our faith and what Jesus has done. I just pray this morning that you take our rebellious hearts, you take our desires for success and what the world calls success and Help us to repent. Help us to change our minds. Give us a new heart. Help us to to live as born-again people and live out the salvation, to work out the salvation that you've given us through our faith. Help us to be convicted and reveal to us the ways that, that we can make much of you and how we can make less of ourselves. Help us to see how we can participate in kingdom success. Help us to latch onto that and abandon and let go of all the things that we could hold on to. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to do that, and your faithfulness to deliver that to us. We thank you for Jesus. That's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to sermons from Southbridge Fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. If you have a question about the message you just heard, email us at info at sfchurch.com. For additional resources or service information, visit us at sfchurch.com.